May the God of peace fill you with peace and joy as you go out and share what you know to be true and what you believe about Jesus. I want to spend some time this morning looking at uh, some of the verses from our gospel reading for today. So if you want to have that in front of you from your uh, bulletin, that'd be awesome because then I can refer you to some of those words that we'll be looking at. How do you feel when you're uh, working on somebody else's project or maybe using somebody else's tools or maybe working in somebody else's space? Have you ever done something like that? I suppose depending on who you are in the situation that you find yourself in, um, you could have a few different ways to look at that scenario. Let's say you're working on a friend's car and you're doing something that you've never done before, and he's allowed you to do it, <laughs> you might review, look at it as, uh, with a sense of relief because, well, at least it's not my car if I mess it up, right? Or maybe, maybe you'd find yourself so nerve-wracked because you got this responsibility of somebody else's vehicle in your hands, and it's all on you to get it done right. Or let's say you're cooking in somebody else's kitchen. And maybe, maybe for you, you, you feel a little invigorated because you're, you're in a different space. You've got, you got different tools at your disposal. And it allows you to maybe try something different that you've never tried before. Or maybe you're in this new space and you're kind of on edge and you're feeling a little discombobulated because... Well, it's not your kitchen. You don't really know where everything is. And, and you're just not comfortable, or at least as comfortable as you would be if you were in your own kitchen, using your own tools and everything else that you know where it is in your kitchen. So doing work that's, that's not completely your own, or, or in a setting that's not yours, your usual setting, it can be, well, it can have its pluses and it can have its minuses, Right? But regardless of how we might feel in a situation like that, in this Bible reading this morning from Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells us that the work of the church isn't done in what we'd call our own spaces, but in God's, because he's the one that's created those spaces. He's the one that has put us in those spaces. That as we are sent or we send out workers into this harvest field, that we're laboring not in our own fields, under our own terms, but we're in God's fields, working under his terms. The work's his. The glory is his. The challenges of that work are his too, but... He invites us to participate in it, right? So in this gospel reading that we read a little while ago and that you're looking at right now, if you're looking at your bulletin, what do we see going on? In the context of the gospel of Luke, at this point in time, Jesus 
is making his way one last time through the towns and the villages that he's been through before, but he's now on his way back to Jerusalem for the final time. So he's nearing the end of his earthly ministry. And so what does he do? We're told that he commissions, he appoints 72 of his followers to go ahead of him. And they gave him a specific job. Notice what he says. He sends them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Kind of reminds me a little bit about what John the Baptist was asked to do by God before Jesus began his ministry, right? What did John the Baptist do? He prepared the people for the time when Jesus would come and live and work and preach among them. And that's what these messengers were to do that he was sending out now, sending them ahead to prepare them for the time that Jesus was going to come again and do the work himself among them. And did you notice that these messengers were actually given something special to do besides just tell people's things? They, they were able to do miracles. Miracles. To give some oomph, you might say, to the message that they were sharing. Did you notice that when Jesus sends them out, he, uh, he gives them kind of a speech. I- I'm not going to look at it as sort of a pep talk, It certainly doesn't look like or sound like some motivational speech that you might expect to hear, given the situation that he was sending them out into. In fact, what does he say to them? He says, look, I'm sending you out as what? As lambs among wolves. Wow, makes you want to go, doesn't it? What was he telling them? Obviously letting them know this is not going to be easy work. But he lets them know that ahead of time. He prepares them for that. Just like everyone, he says, who had not listened to Jesus when he had preached and spoke to them before, not everybody was going to listen to these people that he was now sending out. And if a town didn't listen to them, he said, move on. But if a town did listen, he said to stay there and continue to share the good news with those people. Now, what does all that have to say to you and me today? Did you notice on the front of your bulletin what the mission statement is for this congregation? It says, guided by Scripture and compelled by Christ's love, Water of Life Lutheran Church exists to do what? To preach the gospel in word and sacraments to reach the lost and teach the found. Where do we do that? Right here. Planted where we are by God. But remember whose work it really is. It's really God's. It's not ours. Even though he's the one working through us, and sometimes in spite of us. He's the one that brings the results. And even though we know that, sometimes it's tempting for us as people who sit in the pews of a congregation to to get sucked into looking at 
the wrong things to measure what we might deem to be success. For example, is it really that important how many people's names we have on the membership rules of this congregation? Is it really that important how many people love our campus here or like us on Facebook or tweet about us on Twitter? You know, those things, they have some value. But if we're chasing after numbers, if we're all about being liked by others, we're not really doing the work that God has given us to do. If Jesus' primary goal that everyone they met would like them, then these messengers would have been told by Jesus, well, you need to kind of tailor your message a little bit and, and, and let the people hear what they want to hear. He wouldn't have warned them about rejection, but he would have trained them how to, how to kind of change and tweak the message that they were going to give until everybody was happy and liked them. It's not what he says to them, though, is it? And it's not what he tells us to do either. What do we have to share with people? We have God's word. But we don't have the authority to change what that word says. Even at times when it's deemed unpopular by the people that we're trying to share it with. We can't just modify what the Bible says to make this person over here like us. Or to make this family over here join our congregation. Remember who we are. We are workers in God's fields, not our own. These are his people, people that he bought with the blood of his own son. So far be it from us to change the message that he wants them to hear just so that we can feel good about ourselves. So he says to them, and he says to you and me, you know, and instead of taking rejection personally, Jesus reminds them and us what's really going on in those moments. Notice what he says. He says, whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. This lesson has something to say to you and me today, too, about as people who hear the Word of God. Did you ever sit in the pew on a Sunday morning and say, man, I sure wish pastor wouldn't say that kind of stuff. Or maybe you've heard that from somebody else. Can you believe what pastor said? Or do you ever get into a discussion about, man, that's not the way I'd want the church to be run if I were running the church. Do you think the focus in those questions is on the right thing? Isn't the focus in those kinds of things my desires, my opinions? Is that what should dictate the ministry of a congregation like this? I don't think that's what Jesus is telling us today. Instead, we probably ought to be asking, 
Is the pastor saying the things that God wants him to be saying to me and to others, even if I don't want to hear it? Is the church being run in a way that is consistent with God's direction in the scriptures? You know, in, the, in those kind of questions, what's the emphasis on? The emphasis is on God's will, God's word. Not our subject, subjective or emotional responses. Now, I grant that there are times when God's word doesn't speak directly to an issue in black and white or in a sense that something is right or wrong. But there are places where he has. And when he has spoken clearly, and we don't want to be described like the people we heard in Ezekiel's message this morning. Remember how God described the people of Israel? They were hard-headed and hard-hearted, and they weren't even German. So as we think about the, um, the roles that God gives each of us to play in, in carrying out this, this important work of sharing what we know and believe about Jesus... But we're not just sharers of that. We're also those who benefit from this work, aren't we? We're going to see certain things. We're probably going to see weakness. We're probably going to see failing. We're probably going to see sin on our part or on the part of others who are trying to share this message with us. Because we know, we know that, that living a life, it's got its ups and it's got its downs. Some days, man, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We're just enthusiastic about spiritual things. We, we see our, our prayer life is just so focused. And we're eager to read the Bible or some other devotional book. We serve others with love and compassion. We might even come to church with sort of a spring in our steps because we're excited about participating. And then we get there and the music is uplifting and the sermon that day, it just really hits home. But then other days, it's not so easy, is it? We see our Bible starting to gather dust on the shelf in our home because life just gets to be too chaotic at times. We rush through our prayers, or maybe that particular day we just forget about them altogether. Sometimes we just rather hit the snooze button or go out to brunch instead of come to worship. And sometimes, believe it or not, the sermon is a dud. Yeah, it happens. Or maybe we want to engage in fellowship, but we, we just don't feel connected to people. Maybe it's because we've got these hard feelings towards someone in the church because of something they said or did. Or maybe, maybe we're still grieving at the loss of what was once in the congregation. I mean, there's so many things. And if we took stock of our lives, especially paying attention to the aspects of our faith life, I know we'd find ups and we'd find downs. And it's for that very reason that we need this message that Jesus sent the 72 out to proclaim and that we too have been given. We need this message to be taught purely accurately. Because after all, what is the gospel? 
The gospel is the assurance that God has forgiven us every single sin. Now, while I might not be comfortable with or want to hear what God says is right or wrong all the time, what does God assure us of in his word? He assures us that every single thing that we have done wrong is what? It's gone. It's forgiven. Jesus has forgiven our failings as a sharer of and as a receiver of his word. If we water down God's message of sin, which we might be tempted to do, then we're also going to have to water down the message of God's solution to sin, his son, our Savior. But if we labor in these fields into which God has put us by sharing the message, yes, of man's sin, that's a cutting message, but then also the solution to that sin, the Savior that God has provided. We can bring people the comfort of complete restoration with God that Jesus' death has secured not just for us, but for them too. Now, if you think about this work that Jesus sent his 72 people out on and the work that you and I have been given to do, it can seem pretty overwhelming. I mean, never mind the world, going into all the world and proclaiming the good news. Just thinking about our immediate situation right here, sharing God's word with 79,000 plus people in the city of Racine. I mean, whoa, what can so few do among so many? So it doesn't take us long to see that Jesus' observation that he makes in our reading 2,000 years ago is the same today as it was then. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But the solution to that problem, it's the same for today as it was then. Notice what he says it is. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. If you think about what's been happening in our synod over the last several years, and it's probably pretty personal for you here as a congregation too, there's vacancies. So many pastoral and teaching vacancies in our synod. What can we do? What's Jesus' solution? Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. We can pray. Ask the Lord to identify those individuals and equip them and send them out. But it's also interesting that when Jesus tells his disciples to pray for workers, what does he do next? He then sends those same people out to serve in that very role. So the prayer that he's talking about, it's not just say it once and forget it kind of a prayer. It's a pray and act situation. But sadly, sometimes it seems we, we treat the church like, like a destination. 
or sort of an end point for our faith. It's, it's like an off-ramp to get away from everyday life. Do you ever think about it that way? Instead of looking at it as an on-ramp from which we accelerate out into the world. From my experience, too often as Christians, we find ourselves just kind of shut up in the safety of our sanctuaries. We get concerned about leaky roofs, outdated boilers. We get caught up in looking at the attendance count from the last several weeks, or maybe checking the offering report, and we start doing what? Wringing our hands because people just don't seem to be worshiping the way they used to. Congregations sometimes spend so much time and energy just caring for their own and feeling anxious about their possible demise as a congregation that sometimes they forget, we forget, that like these 72, we've been sent out with a mission to share the gospel of God's love. So how can we get out of the pews and join in this mission of God to the world? How can we, like the 72 in our Bible reading, how do we recognize, how do we embrace our own active participation in the reconciling of work beyond our own fears and our needs? How can we send out workers? Maybe there's people in your family, people in this congregation, who could serve in the public ministry as a teacher or a pastor. If you know such a person, talk to them. Encourage them. Pray for them. Maybe you, maybe you have gifts or interests in these areas. It's not just about young people that we're talking about here. We're talking about perhaps someone who would be looking for a, a different career, maybe something even to be done after retirement, where we could be encouraged to share the good news with people in our immediate spheres. In the end, whether we're members or pastors, congregations, or synod. We're all, we're all to one degree or another, fellow workers laboring in God's harvest field. So it's my prayer today that God, God would preserve us from caving to public opinion and public pressure to change the message that we get to share, to make it more politically correct or more popular or make us feel good about ourselves. And may he also make us bold, loving, patient as we reach out to a world that increasingly has no idea who Jesus is, what Jesus has said, what he has done, or even why he did it. And finally, may God bless that work, his work through us to bring about the purposes that he desires right here in Racine and throughout the world. Amen.